welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part four in the series, The Armour of God. This is the evening session of Wednesday the 29th of July 2009 and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 18. Here's Pastor Russ Iveson. Father, thank you that we have the privilege to assemble in your place this night. Thank you for your hand of protection upon us. Thank you for the privilege to serve you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a time that we can gather around it. Father, I pray that Christ be honored and glorified. I pray the Spirit of God would do his job tonight and speak to our hearts. According to your will, in Christ's name we thank thee. Amen. Let's see. I think we're in Ephesians chapter 6. One of the things I've learned over the years, whenever you are dealing with something that that uh, directly affects uh, the adversary, uh, he lets you know. And uh, coming over tonight on the highway, uh, a whole bunch of uh, Eastern European lorries, and I was the jam in the middle. And then they, I couldn't see whereabouts we were, but it was part of that motorway where they're doing the construction and the jam was getting pressed awful thin. So in Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, but on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, and that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We pick up tonight in verse 13, but we were speaking previously in verse 12 of the spiritual wickedness in high places, and we spoke of heaven as the abode of God being placed off limits to Satan and his demons, and they, they, they are now confined to the stellar and the atmospheric heavens and the, and the, and the, uh, 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 the abode in which we live, and their, and their activities are restricted and they are reserved to, and this is the good part, I think, uh, they are reserved to an appointed and a decreed fate of uh, everlasting torment. And uh, I would draw your attention or invite your attention to uh, the teeny epistle of Jude uh, right in front of the Revelation. And, uh, and uh, in Jude, uh, verse 6 and 13, the Scriptures said, And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day, uh, and it goes on in verse 13, raging waves of the sea foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And uh, when we uh, went through uh, uh, the epistle of Jude uh, previously, I pointed out to my people that the, the, the way that it's structured there, uh, these demons are on a short leash or a short lead. And uh, uh, they are severely restricted in what they're able to do. And uh, uh, in, in, in Revelation uh, 12, uh, we saw where that Michael, the archangel, won the war in heaven against Lucifer, uh, Satan, and his fallen angel, uh, angelic hordes. Uh, uh, but then with this in mind, in Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen, uh, good Baptist deacon he is, and uh, he was preaching, and uh, uh, and in dealing with the apostasy of Israel, uh, 
while that Moses was on Sinai, uh, he made the observation in Acts chapter 7, picking up uh, in verse 40, saying unto Aaron, make... Uh, uh, Acts uh, seven forty, uh, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not, or we know not what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, figures which ye made to worship them. I will carry you away beyond Babylon. And uh, Stephen is actually quoting from Amos chapter 5. And verse 26, Amos chapter 5 and uh, verse uh, 26, the scripture says, But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and Cain, your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. And We have here a message pointing against the idolatry of Israel and specifically the idolatry brought about by Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And uh, I've lost count. I I had a new Bible and I started numbering. The number of times it says in there, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. And I lost count. Somewhere close to 30 times it says that. But we find dealing with Jeroboam in 1 Kings 11.33. 1 Kings 11.33. Because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, Milcom, the God of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. McClinic and Strong, and uh, they are, it's my understanding, available uh, on uh, those little round plastic discs. Are they DVDs or CDs? I don't remember which. They're on those little plastic discs you can stick in your computer. Uh, But one of the great uh, references, encyclopedias of biblical knowledge, McClinic and Strong, they were writing about Moloch and Cayune or Moloch and Remphan. And uh, uh, Moloch and its variants, Malcolm and Milcom, uh, was the worship of Saturn. And uh, Remphan or Cayune, they conclude, uh, was a textual substitute for Venus. Moloch and Remphan essentially being uh, cross-cultural correspondence to Baal and Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth or Venus and, uh, a, 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 was a demonic assault upon the purity of the marital bed and the sacredness of the of marriage vows. Uh, in Hebrews uh, thirteen four, uh, uh, Paul tells us marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge or. Uh, we see the uh, what God has to say uh, about vows, and uh, uh, the vow of marriage is the most sacred of them all. But in vows, God, the law of vows, God says in Ecclesiastes five: Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. 
For a dream cometh through a multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldst vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry with thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? And uh, we need to be very careful about that. But consider then what the Scripture says about Baal and uh, about King Manasseh in 2 Kings chapter 21. 2 Kings chapter 21. <coughs> Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord said in Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a graven image in the grove that he had made uh, that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel will I put my name forever. Neither will I make uh, the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearkened not. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations which the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake by his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations and hath done wickedness above all that the Amorites did which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing much evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, whosoever heareth of it. Both his ears shall tingle, and I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab, and will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth the dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Or in 2 Chronicles 33, picking up in verse 5, And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with the wizards. He brought, uh, he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel. I'll put my name there forever. And neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they will take heed to all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Jeremiah records of this in chapter 15. Verses 1 through 4. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Now you recall on numerous occasions, Moses prostrated himself before the Lord and interceded on behalf of Israel and stayed the hand of the Lord against Israel because of their sin. Samuel the same. But there came a point that the Lord had to tell Samuel, uh-uh, in the matter of Saul. But he goes on, Jeremiah goes on and he says, you'll come to pass if they say unto thee, 
whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, such as are for death to death, and such as are for the sword to the sword, such as are for the famine to the uh, for the famine and uh, to the famine, and such as are for captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord: the sword to slay, the dogs to tear, the fowls of the heaven, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed unto all kingdoms of the earth, because. Because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. The most heinous thing that Manasseh was guilty of is the gutters in the courts of the temple that were to carry away the blood of the sacrificial animal lambs that were slain to be burned on the brazen altar, they ran with the blood of infants. If God doesn't judge us for the sin of abortion, he will have to raise up Manasseh and apologize. And apologize to Jerusalem for carrying them away into 70 years of Babylonian captivity and for them being under the domination and the thumb of the Gentiles from 586 B.C. until, was it 1968, that Israel took Jerusalem back. The account of Josiah forges the link between Baal and Moloch and Chemosh. 2 Kings 23, picking up in verse 10. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Moloch. And he took away the horses the kings of Judah had given to the son at the entering in of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the chamberlain which was in the suburbs and burned the chariots of the sun with fire and the altars which were on the top of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, uh, did the king beat down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them into the, uh, into the brook Kidron? And uh, the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had builded for Ashtoreth, uh, the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile, and he break in pieces the images, and cut down the groves, and filled their places with the bones of men. And in Jeremiah chapter uh, 32, we pick up in verse Verse 34, Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 34, he says here, But they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which were in the valley of the son of Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire on the Moloch, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. The worship of Baal, the worship of Moloch, the worship worship of Chemosh and the infant sacrifice was a direct demonic assault upon the substitutionary atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as it was portrayed in the burnt offerings upon the brazen altar in the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, the, the scriptures do tell us, Paul does tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, verse uh, 21. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live on a righteousness. By his stripes you are healed. We don't need to offer our children as a penal substitute to, to appease some demon. Down through the ages of time, 
through all of the various civilizations and cultures, Satan and his demons have been the great counterfeiters in setting out the substitute system to steal men's hearts from the truth of the gospel. Again, Paul records and tells us in 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 11 and uh, verse 13, and he says, Therefore such are false apostles and deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. This is the reason why that Paul comes to uh, uh, comes to uh, his use of a preposition of agency for a causal conjunction in verse 13 when he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. If there's one thing that we can learn from history, it is that we do not learn from history, and therefore history repeats itself. Satan has no new gimmicks and new devices. It's just the same old sin. Whereas God's blessings are new morning by morning and day by day. But he says here, Dia tau tu anilabete tain panoplion tau theo. Dia here is the preposition of agency that is used as a causal conjunction on account of or because of. Tauto is the accusative singular neuter demonstrative pronoun this. Because of this. Because of what? Because of who our enemy is. Because of what Paul has just said in verses 10 to 12, especially verse 12 because of the demonic hierarchy in the hordes, because of the ability of them to counterfeit and deceive and to tempt and to entice for these reasons. Ana labete is the two-person plural secondarist active imperative. Here is a command to a one-time linear action that uh, those who make up this congregation at Ephesus, those who read this epistle, are to take. But we have a contrast here with uh, verse 11 because the verb there was andusaste, uh, to sink into. And, uh, but here the command is to take up, to receive, to lay hold of, to take. Anna is the intensifying preposition up or over. The stem verb lambano is to take, to receive. We are to be continuously taking upon us, taking up our armor, to, to hitching up our armor, to girding up our loins, if you please. We're expected to be ready. We're not to be caught sleeping. We're not to be caught unawares. We're not to be caught unprepared. We're to be ready. So what are we taking up? He says the whole armor of God. Tan panoply and tathio. Tathio being the genitive singular masculine article and noun of God, uh, belonging to God. Tan panoplyon is the accusative singular feminine article and noun. Here is the direct object of the imperative verb to take up. Panoplyon is a compound uh, pas is all. Hoplon is the implement for offensive war or armor or weapon or instrument. All the implements for offensive war. If we are taking the battle to the enemy, he will be on the back foot. If we're taking the battle to the enemy, he will not be dug in. He won't be entrenched. If we're taking the battle to the enemy, he will be the one who is perilously exposed. It's been well said. The best defense is a good offense. We fight not in our own strength, not in our own armor, but in God's strength. In God's armor. But why God's? Because the purpose clause follows and says, 
that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Ina dunathete antestinai and te imira te ponira kai apanta karagaza menoi stinai. Ina is the conjunction of purpose. That, in order that, so that. God didn't leave us here to fail. He didn't leave us here to fail. We're to be victorious. Dunathete is a two-person plural, Aris middle deponent subjunctive. Dunathete is to be able, to be possible, to be of power. It builds upon the stem talking about God's miraculous power. It's the dynamite of God, the miraculous dynamite of God. And the subject is the membership of Ephesus, ye, or the raiders, ye. It's an aris middle deponent subjunctive, a simple potential action the readers take concerning themselves. Potential? <laughs> we better do it. But the decision's left up to us. The power is not their own. The deponent says the meaning is active, but the, the ending is passive. The power, our power source is Almighty God. The miraculous power to stand. God has it out there. We've got to put it on. It's our choice to put it on. Antistini, the secondarist active infinitive, a one-time action, uh, the time of which is not specified. Because... Putting it on is going to be at a different time for every one of us. We get saved at different times. We get in a right relationship with God and we understand the, the teaching of the passage at different times. It's when we understand it, when we're, after we're saved, we put it on. But we have here an imperfect augment. It's a one-time linear action. Anta is the, uh, the prefix meaning opposite, and esteemy is to stand. We're to stand against. We're to stand in opposition. We're to resist. We are to withstand. We're to be an armored, active opposition whenever he attacks Whatever Satan's methods, whatever his strategy, whatever his wiles, whatever his tricks, whatever his secrets, whatever his power, whatever his schemes, whatever his snares, whatever his traps, whatever his temptations, we are to be equipped and we are to withstand, we are to oppose, we are to stand against, we are to resist, withstand. We are an armored, active opposition. We're not standing straight up. That's the thing I like. We're not standing straight up. We're to be leaning into the enemy. We're to be pushing against him. We're to be pushing him back. And we'll see that we are equipped to do so. Uh... I might be on the wrong ground here. Uh, if I were talking on uh, football from the other side of the puddle, it'd be like the offensive line against the defensive line. We're to be pushing them back. Uh, if it's a rugby scrum, we're to move them back. We're to be pushing them back toward his own goal. We're to be continually at it, not quitting. But it amazes me. The word antistini is used twice in one verse. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. 2 Timothy 3, 8. Now as Jonas and John Braze withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Uh, but look at what we have here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, let me pick up reading verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, 
covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins and led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jonas and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Jonas and Jambres withstood Moses Antistini. Paul says that those in uh, the day that we are in, uh, whom he has already characterized here in these verses, uh, uh, that they will, uh, uh, they, they do resist. Again, that's the word antistini. They resist the truth. The false teachers the false religionists who like to creep in under the guise of saying, we be Christian. And they're not because they're not regenerate. They've not been born again. This is free. It's not in the notes. But one of the reasons why there was such a problem in Corinth, Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 1534, because the ones who were there who were causing the problems did not emphatically possess an experiential knowledge of God. They were nominal. They carried a name, but they were something else. We need to be watchful. Not everything that says it's Christian is. But we have a miraculous power to stand. We have a miraculous power to resist. We have a miraculous power to oppose, to stand against. And we're now there. We are now there in the evil day. And te imira, te ponira. Lenski points out that because there, there is a second definite article tied to the adjective, it is most emphatic. Te emira is the dative singular feminine article and now the day. Te ponira is the dative singular feminine article and adjective. The evil, the hurtful, the, uh, the culpable, the vicious, the exceeding wicked. We can see it all around us. We need to be actively standing against it in God's power and in God's armor. The conditions that Paul describes in 2 Timothy 3, they fit really the day in which we live. I don't know if any of you saw it, but there was an article, I think it was late last night, that there was a woman who, for whatever reason, just decided she was going to murder her daughter. She cut off her head, broke open her head, Fried and ate her brains. I don't know about you, but such things really, I find it hard to comprehend. And we're supposed to be civilized society. It's supposed to be Christian society. But yet we threw out God a long time ago, didn't we? And every man's doing that which is right in his own eyes. But the extra emphasis that's placed upon the adjective leads me to believe that there is more involved here than just the uh, uh, extended period of time called the last days. One writer, in passing over the phrase in the evil day, said every day since the uh, the fall has been an evil day for mankind. And he went on to say, every day will continue to be evil until uh, the, uh, 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 the usurper and his forces are thrown forever into the bottomless pit. I'm sorry, but that's just too easy. It's too easy. By virtue of the emphatic structure that's in that phrase, 
by, I am convinced that Paul is warning those, uh, 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 those critical, decisive days for, for each of us when Satan or his demons single us out for a special attack. And uh, and uh, and such an, uh, an attack uh, to such a degree that it seems that all of the forces of hell are focused upon us alone. Days in which temptations are unusually heavy upon us, trials, afflictions, persecutions seem to be on every side and around every corner, and days when it seems like that we stand alone and there's no one to help. You know, Paul seemed to be such a lightning rod for such days, and he attracted them. He attracted them, and the Jews followed him around from city to city just to provide such days for him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul says here, picking up in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom uh, be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Or consider how the congregation at Philippi got started. Uh, Paul was there preaching the gospel, and he had his own little soothsayer following him around, saying, These be the men who preach the gospel. And, and uh, Paul cast out the demon. And as a result, he brought down the house when he prayed and sang at midnight in Philippi. But yet, they followed Paul. Why? Because he stood for the Word of God uncompromisingly. But we see there in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, in verse 15, there you have the word withstood. And, uh, and, uh, uh, for he hath greatly withstood our works. And that's our word, Antistini. He stood against us. Uh, in Acts 14, Paul had to leave Iconium because of the attempts to stone him for preaching the gospel. He fled to uh, Lystra and Derby. At Lystra, Paul and Barnabas were accused of being Jupiter and Mercury. And a riot nearly broke out. And uh, Paul was stoned at Lystra. But I like something that Dr. Gill wrote. and He says these days of evil that come, come because of one stand for the Word of God. And we are living in an age, well, the other, the other day, my wife was on the ward, and after surgery, she's home now, by the way, and we appreciate you praying for her. But she was there, and she woke up, and uh, her dressing needed to be changed, and the woman was there changing the dressing, and, and, uh, and uh, Faith spoke to her, and the woman remarked about her accent, that it wasn't from Bedworth. And, uh, and, uh, and she said, uh, why are you here? And she said, my husband is a pastor. That woman put everything down, walked away. And for the next two weeks that my wife was hospitalized, that woman went to every bed in the ward but hers. Somebody else had to come and take care of my wife because that woman would not. And all my wife said was, my husband is a pastor. They don't want to know. They don't want to know if we are known by the Bible. They don't want to know. In the last 20 years, I have placed a copy of the scriptures and other material in 249,450 doors in Coventry. It is amazing 
the response you get when you try to hand someone or put in the letterbox a copy of the scriptures. I had one guy one day come out. He was bigger than me. He picked me up and threw me in front of a bus because I put the Word of God. And I can't use the language he used to describe what was put through his letterbox as he was pushing me in front of the bus. They don't want to know. But it's because of our stand for the Word of God. Paul concludes the verse, and having done all to stand, kai aponta karagasamenoi, stenai. Aponta is the nominative plural neuter adjective, and pas is the uh, intensifying prefix, uh, and aponta means absolutely all. Katergasameno is the nominative plural masculine aorist middle deponent participle. It's a, it's a simple action the subject takes concerning himself prior to the main verb. The deponent says that he, he acts, but the meaning is active, but the form is passive, which tells us that we have an outside help. And our help is the Lord. It, it, it's His armor. It is, he is enabling, but katergasamenoi is the compound. Kata is the preposition of intensity. Erga, ergazomai is to, to, to toil, to labor, to work. We are to work fully, to accomplish, to finish. It is working until the, the task is fully and completely finished. It is completing accomplishing all things necessary for the fight, all things necessary to be a good soldier. And I guess probably the best way to illustrate it, we were down in London one time. I didn't realize it, but it was the week in the run-up to the Troop of the Color. And someone was visiting us, and we took them down to the war rooms and, uh, but in getting there, we, we passed by the barracks where the people were assembling because they were practicing out on the, on the place where that they do it. And, uh, but yet, as we walked by, we could see in the windows, and they were in there, polishing brass, polishing leather, and brushing down the uniforms. And uh, the, the, the work that they go through to polish up the shoes and the leather and, the, and, and doing it all until it's ready to stand. And they stood. But they noticed that the objective, uh, the adjective rather, is emphatically in front of the verb. Absolutely all things. Having fully and completely accomplished then it says stenai, a secondarist active infinitive, a simple undefined act uh, that has the imperfect augment. In other words, the time of the action is left open. It is done when it needs to be done, but the imperfect tells us it's a linear action, uh, an action that continues, to continue to stand, to continue to abide, or we read it as to continue but here's the stem to the verb withstand, antistenai. And both are secondarist active infinitive. Antistenai is used by both Peter and uh, James. For example, in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 5, 9. In 1 Peter 5, 9, uh, he says here, Whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And, uh, and uh, uh, he's speaking of the devil as a roaring lion, uh, and it is he that we are to resist steadfast in the faith. Or in James 4, 7, he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's God's armor. It's God's offensive armor that enables, that empowers us to resist. To resist the evil in the evil day. To stand against it. 
When we have fully and completely accomplished that goal, absolutely all of it, we are to continue to stand. We are to continue to abide. We are to continue. How long do we stand? There's an interesting compound in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4. Hebrews 12, 4, Paul gives us the example of Christ on the cross looking over into Revelation chapter 5 and rejoicing at the host of the redeemed gathered round the throne. But he says in chapter 12, verse 4, Ye have not yet resisted on the blood striving against sin. And there resisted is antikatastenai. It's a two-person plural, secondarist, active, indicative. Uh, it, it, to set down troops against, to withstand, to resist. And it's a past linear action taken by Paul's readers. And, uh, but notice there are three syllables. Anti is opposite. Kata is the preposition down or the preposition of intensity or opposition. Istimai is to stand, to continue, to abide. Interestingly, it's the same word abide that our Lord uses in John 15. How long do we stand? How long do we abide? How long do we continue against the adversary in the evil day? He says, under blood, striving, wrestling against sin. If Christ could endure, if Christ could die in our place, on our behalf, who are we to quit so easily? But one other point. In saying that, the Lord gave us our example in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're talking about a situation where that it seems like Satan and his hordes single us out, have us surrounded, focused solely upon us. We have an example. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Our Lord was the prime target in the crosshairs. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. You'll notice here that Satan also can quote scriptures, but he can wrest them from context. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. And pardon me for saying it, but at this time, they were still under his dominion. Christ had not wrested back the dominion so he could offer them. He saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. How many times are we admonished in the word of God to be in the word of God? To know it, to love it, to hide it in our heart, we're going to find that the primary weapon we have is the Word of God. This is free. It's not in the notes. But it fits. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10. You have a congregation. If you study 1 Corinthians 10, picking up in verse 1, down to uh, all the way through chapter verse 10, you will find all of the sin in the congregation at Corinth was identical to the sin in the congregation of Israel in the wilderness when that countless thousands died because they were judged for sin. Paul then says, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now my point. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And there are at least three pinpoint verbs in that verse. I don't have it written down. I can't really draw too well from memory. But the point is that the indwelling Spirit of God knows beforehand the point at which we will fold. And before we reach that point that we fold, He gives us warning from the Word of God. And He makes a way for us to get out of that situation that we don't fold and have our testimony shattered. But the primary way that he works, as we are told four times in John 14, 15, and 16, is he testifies to us through the Word of God. That still small voice comes with the Word of God and gives us warning and gives us a way out. We need to be faithful in this book to give him the tools to do his job. Father, thank you for your provision for us to stand. Thank you for the admonition to stand. Thank you for the enabling to stand. Thank you for the weapons of our warfare to stand. Not only to stand, but to lean into the enemy and prevail. Father, apply to our hearts, apply to our lives, that we might give thee thanks when we stand before thee and give an account of what we've done with the armor you've provided. In Christ's name we pray and do thank thee. Amen.